morning. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about interpretation, which in a sense is going to branch with what Josh shared last night, and it's also going to include probably some of the same ideas that um, Chad is going to share, because what we observe, what we learn, we have to process, we have to be able to understand it, and know how to use it, because God speaks to us, he gives us information, but we have to process it, we have to learn, how do we use it, um, I'm using a computer simply because it's a lot easier, but when I started down the Christian path a number of years ago, we had paper, and lots of paper, and lots of resources, and so if you don't want to use a computer, make sure you get some resources. And I'll go through and I'll describe a little bit about the important resources as I go along um, and why we want to use them. Part of it is the language that um, our Bibles were written in. They're not spoken frequently today. And when I was born, when I was educated, when I was taught, a language, my language was not the biblical language. It wasn't Greek, it wasn't Hebrew, and as I understand it, Jesus didn't speak Greek, he spoke Aramaic, which is even a different language. So what we have in our Bibles is a translator's best effort to give you the essence of what the original language, the original events were. And so we use those different resources to help us clarify in our minds and to expand our understanding of the scriptures. So um, kind of a definition of interpretation is it's the action of explaining the meaning of something. So how do we explain something? your instruction manual. Think about that. Um, someone had to interpret it, something. Um, so how do we explain what we have observed in a passage of scripture? So Josh talked about observing different pieces, different events in scripture. I hope to be able to give you a few more ideas as you go through and you look at the different passages how you can look for those gold nuggets, as Josh said. So um, what we really begin with is the study of the word. And um, this particular study, um, 2 Timothy 2, 14 and 15, Josh referred to this as well. And uh, this is Paul speaking to a young minister, Timothy, and he says of these things, put them in remembrance. So what we're doing this morning is helping to remember, to refresh your minds, because it's easy to forget certain things, okay? So put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about with words to no profit, but 
refuses the burning of a pure study to show thyself proved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, um, you notice in this particular verse, there's the idea of study and work. Um, study takes work. This is work. Uh, it's not going to happen by chance. It's going to take effort on your part to understand what God's word means. So it's work. We know what work is, right? We go to work. We know it takes toil. We know it takes effort. But we do that. We do that regularly. We make that choice every day. What will I do? What work will I do? And so the question is, what am I working for? Why do I do that? Why do we work? Why do we study the scripture? Why is it work? Why shouldn't it just be easy? It's not. It takes effort. It takes work. And so when our ministers struggle to prepare a message, it's work. They are working hard. Our Sunday school teachers, when they're digging into the word to try to present it, it's work. It takes effort. It may seem like it comes naturally. It may seem like it comes easy to some people, but it's not. It takes work. You ask them, they'll tell you it takes work. And it takes some other things. So I would suggest that we work to serve others. Isn't that what we do? Our income, our jobs. Why do we do that? We do that partly for ourselves, but we also do that for our families. We do that for others. It's no different when we're studying God's word. We're doing it not only for ourselves, but we're doing it for others, to serve others. And I think that's one of the important pieces of study. So the challenge to study and to rightly divide the word of truth. And why do we do that? Um, Peter gives us this. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to do what? So how are you going to answer someone if you're not familiar with their text? If someone says, why are you a Christian? What will you say? What will you tell them? And so our work is to be able to communicate and to communicate the truth of Scripture, communicate why we do what we do, what motivates you. Those are some of the things that we want to do. The other piece is, well, we're given a commandment, aren't we? If we look at Matthew 28 and see the Great Commission, where Jesus told his followers, go, teach, all nations, everywhere. Start here, but don't stay there. Continue on. 
And so what we want to do within Dundee, Jakes County, we want to start there. We want to grow our Christianity. We want to draw ourselves closer to God and to fulfill what God said, what he wants us to do. So part of our seminar is to help you really in your spiritual journey. And that's what we're on. We're on a spiritual journey. And it takes encouragement. It takes you. It takes I. And it takes knowledge of the scriptures to be able to be effective um, in this. So we're on a journey. When we go on a journey, we have to take some things with us, right? We have to take some tools. We have to take different learnings, different principles. Um, and interpretation is about us trying to un uncover God's themes, his principles. And when we're doing that, what we're really doing is we're studying the nature and character of God. So some people would like a picture, a idol, so to speak, that they can look at and they say, well, that's the features of God. Well, God is a living God, right? We can't encapsulate him in a picture, just like I can't encapsulate you into a picture because you're changing, you're dynamic. There's more parts, more interest in you than just what your face may be, how you dress. There's more to you than that. There's more to God than what face, you know, what, what face there is. So it's a journey that we begin on as we look, as Josh mentioned, for those golden nuggets. We're looking for them. They're in there. So why do we study and how do we study? Um, thinking of our motivation. Um, you know, when we grow up, we grow up with teaching. We grow up in a family. We grow up with parents who teach us some basic skills. Do they teach you everything? Or do you learn things apart from your parents? Do you go beyond your parents? So think of church in the same way. Think of church as kind of like your parents. They're going to give you some information. They're going to give you some instruction. But the real goal is they want you to go beyond that. We want you to grow way beyond what we can even cover here in 40 minutes every Sunday, 52 times a year. We want you to go beyond that. And so how do we motivate you? What are the principles that help us along this way? Um, I like this verse in Acts um, because, you know, sometimes we just grow tired. That the, the body gets tired. Work is tiring. 
And so, are my eyes a little dim? I've seen it before. I've heard the stories before. Maybe my ears are a little dull. Yeah, we talked about that the other day. What's so important about that? Um, my heart. Has it become callous because I think I know it all? Because I've heard it so many times that I just become dull to the life that Christ has for us. Are we growing tired of hearing the same things? Do our eyes prefer to look to other things? Are we, you know, grabbing our social media to find out what's my friend doing today? Oh, somebody got injured today. Oh, there is a crash. Oh, there's another war. Sometimes that's there to distract us from what God really wants to speak to you and I. And so we study. And yes, the physical part of us gets dull. And so how do you move from the things you're familiar with to something new? How do you leave the familiar behind and move into something that's newer, something that is greater? Um, We're studying in our Sunday school class, the men's Sunday school class here at Crystal Valley uh, in 1 John. In 1 John, um, the word love is used 46 times in five chapters. Do you think there's something in that word, a familiar word, that you and I are missing? Why would John repeat this over and over and over again? What are we missing? What is the idea of love that I don't understand. And so, it's part of it, right? Um, Psalm 119 tells us, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And this is a verse that Josh also brought up. But, how do we open them? How do we see those hidden treasures if we're not looking for them or if we think oh yeah it's just a rock there's nothing under there and so we need our Bibles open right we need to read we need to put aside distractions and we have to open our heart right to the message right? Your future health depends on this, right? Ken, 911. We have a heart emergency. Time is of the essence. Brother, time is of the essence. 
we have an emergency. Our heart needs to be protected. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So, let's move on. The how part. How do we get to the point where we understand um, what the word says? How, how do I get to that depth where I'm able to uncover those rocks, find those golden nuggets? How do we study it? How do you do it? Um, what I'm going to share is just some of the keys that I've learned. It's not an exhaustive one. These guys, I'm sure, have other methods that you've used, other ways in which you can share with me how to do it better, how to be more effective at study, how to be more focused at understanding the truths. Um, Romans 8. Now, I've highlighted a couple words in here, but um, it says the Spirit helps us. The Spirit helps us. Um, isn't it nice to have some help? Now, the, the unique thing about the Holy Spirit is he's not really visible, is he? And everything that I take in, I'm taking in through my physical body, through my eyes, through my ears. It gets filtered. That's part of the problem. We filter everything that God wants to show us. We miss what our heart should be feeling because maybe it doesn't fit my comprehension of what this situation should be. Maybe I don't really perceive why is God bringing this person to me? Why do I have to deal with these problems? What am I supposed to do about it? So, um, the Holy Spirit's role is to lead us. But the only way he can lead us is if we're humble enough, right? Now, when you watch the horses and carriages go by, you'll see somebody holding on two leather straps with a metal piece in the animal's mouth. Why don't they just whisper to the animal and say, I want you to go to the left. I want you to go to the right. Would you speed up? Would you slow down? Why don't they do that? So how does God want to lead you? Doesn't he want that still small voice to tell you, brother, I want you to go to the left. I want you to go to the right. But so often we need something drastic to yank our heads around so that we go in the correct direction. But that's not the intent. God doesn't want us to have to go to that extreme. But he's patient. 
be weight, right? It's that whisper. It's that still small voice that we want to hear. And so we begin and we end our time in prayer. When you look into that perfect law of liberty and you continue in that, you start with prayer. You say, God, I don't understand this. What do you want me to see in these verses? What is important to you and to me at this particular point in my life? Please show it to me. And if we're humble enough and able to listen, he'll tell you. He may not tell you right then. He may tell you a little bit later. But he wants you to be listening. And so often we have radio cranked up, sounds going on, distractions over here. Who's the cause of that? And so how do you hear the still small voice amidst all the traffic, all the distractions? So God whispers to us, and we prayerfully meditate upon his word. So we begin and end with prayer. We ask God to open the meaning of the passage, realize that he wrote it. He's the author. He knows what it means. He knows what it says. And he can reveal and interpret the truth out of his own word to you and I. So, the next point is, after we prayer, have prayer, um, we start to ask questions. And there's a lot of power in questions. I remember when I was young, I was that annoying person said, why, Dad, do I have to do this? Why? Because without a reason, it just seemed frivolous. Am I just wasting time here? I want to do something that's valuable. So why? And often, we want to understand, God, tell me why. Why is this important? And so there are some questions that we want to begin to ask to God when we look at any passage containing the Bible. And these are some of the basic questions. These are some of the things that um, I thought of that others have given as good guidance. Who? Who are the people that are in this passage? Um, the audience is Jesus in the midst of a crowd or is he in a boat you know, who's there with him so we want to look for those nuggets and then we want to say what and this may get into some of Chad's um, topic with what um because we want to understand the point of the passage. There's some information that God is going to be exchanging to us. 
out of it. It has application. And so what does this mean? Um, what's in the passage? Um, what do I need to change or what do I need to observe out of this passage? So we ask who, we ask what, where? Um, what is the setting, the location, the time in history, the environment? May or may not be important, but we want to know where, when. We're going to look at the events and the significance associated with those events. Why <laughs> is the most important one? <laughs> Why is this important? Why does Leviticus have, or numbers have this endless list of genealogies? Well, you know, when I listen to a lot of you, Oh, yeah, you're related to blah, blah, blah. Isn't that interesting that God wanted that recorded? Because it's important. And so often, well, I don't know those people. How am I going to get to know them? Why are they in the Bible? Wouldn't it be cool if your name was there in the Bible? Mine is. It says young men. I like that. So, why is, it, is one of the important questions. And then maybe the last one is how. Um, and I think Chad will speak a little more to that. But um, how, how does this passage apply to my current situation? How does it apply to me? And this is what we want to learn, right? We want to learn how God is choosing to speak to you and I. And we do that through what he reveals to us. The other piece that um, we're going to look for is what I call keywords. When the Bible says all, all, have fallen. Oh, that means me, right? I can identify with that. I'm part of the all. Um, but, hmm, I say something, but I want to know what the but is all about. So we pay extra special attention to different words like that. So us, in, if, out, through, have, has, and we can go on. But these particular words often help us to see contrast and to see um, who is included, who's excluded, and to understand different passages and patterns in these word meanings. And so um, some of the resources that I've used, um, once again, is quite an amazing collection. Um, 
when we use it electronically, and hopefully I can show you a little bit of that um, here in a few more slides, but if you don't have Strong's, if you don't use computers, get Strong's. Get this book. And the reason I say that is he indexes all the words in the Bible. The Hebrew words and the Greek words. He shows you where compound words are made. If two words combine together to form a third word, he's done a very um, extensive job. And so Strong's can be bought for around $15, something like that. If you don't have it, don't use computer, get Strong's. It'll really help you in studying and understanding the nature and meaning of some of the phrases and words. Because as we read through our King James or even some of the other translations, they'll give you a descriptive word, but that word is close <laughs> to the original meaning, whereas Strong's goes back and says, well, in this verse it's interpreted this way, in this verse it's interpreted this way. And so it gives you the ability to go and compare one verse against the other verse. And it helps you to understand, to interpret what does this particular verse really mean and why is it applying to me? So if you don't have Strong's, I encourage you to get that. The other um, resource that I like is the Treasury of Scriptural Knowledge. And what the um, TSK, Treasury of Scriptural Knowledge, does is it looks at phrases in Scripture and it tries to connect them with other phrases that are found in scripture. So it's, it may be um, a little more, um, how do I say it, higher level than strong. Strong's is very detailed, just the meaning of the words, whereas the treasury of scriptural knowledge combines concepts. So if you have the concept of salvation or something like that, how is it found in different parts of scripture so that it gives you the ability to, to see maybe a more composite view, right? If you look at the blueprints, you only see one view. Treasure of scripture and knowledge gives you the other dimension so you can see all around that particular idea, okay? So if you don't have those, I encourage you to get them. Um, some software tools, once again, if you want to use your computers, um, Logos is one of the Bible applications. There's the Sword Project. Um, Olive Tree has one. Um, Action Bible Software has one. These are either free downloads or um, some cost involved especially if you want to add additional resources. Logos is probably the most popular one, but, you know, without your toolbox, how are you going to complete the job? So you want to build up your toolbox, choose the right tools, um, whether you choose to use 
um, digital types of um, tools or whether you want to use paper. Um, it's up to you. I've used both. Um, before we had our computers and availability to a lot of the software, we would have these books open and <laughs> spread out on the table <laughs> and learn. That's what we would do. So some food for thought. Um, even though these tools are extremely helpful and interactive, it's no substitute for your Bible, okay? So this is one software that I've been using quite extensively lately. It's called eSword. Um, eSword um, has several different panes on it. So different uh, tools that will explain a particular verse for you. So you can highlight a particular verse and with this it does all the lookups <laughs> for Strong's for you. It allows you to, to look through things more rapidly than what I can turn pages. So it can shorten the amount of time it takes you to analyze a particular passage. Um, I find it helpful. Um, we'll give you an example here in a minute, but um, I've used eSword. It has different um, um, platforms that it runs on. It is a free download, although you can make contributions, but it does cost something to keep it posted and updated on their website. So I'd like to look at this character here, Second um, Peter 1, and this is just a sample passage. We're going to show you a little bit about um, the tools and maybe how I've used them. And what we want to do is we want to start asking some relevant questions out of this particular passage. So think about who is Simon Peter and what do we read about him in the Bible? Because here he's writing, he's a servant apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, maybe one of the first things I noted is, why two names? Did you ever wonder why? Is it John John? 
Is it James John? Why two names? How many of you have two names? Yeah. So here, Peter doesn't just say, I'm Peter. He says, I'm Simon Peter. Okay? What does that say about his character? What does that say about his nature? What, what do you think about him when you read Simon Peter? My name is Simon Peter. He was a real character. We're going to see a little bit more about that. So that's one thing that we can observe about him. Look at the key words here. We got some ands, some ofs, some twos. Some with us. So those kind of words pop out, right? He's a servant and an apostle. So how do you get to be both? Those are some of the questions you might think about. Why both? How, how does this character get to have both? Why a servant? Why an apostle? But it's an apostle of someone. So someone makes me an apostle. Someone makes you who you are. Now let's go on here. Servant apostle. Very interesting. Oh, look at these words. Have obtained. Hmm. What does it take to obtain something? Effort, work, right? So if we want to be great in God's kingdom, we have to learn some things, right? It's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. Um, precious faith. Hmm, that's interesting. How about righteousness of God? and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's look a little bit more into some of these words here. Okay? Peter. Guess what? He was an eyewitness. We read about that, right? He lived with Jesus for three years. And what does it take for you and for I to obtain precious faith and what makes faith precious hmm. gives us something to think about doesn't it what makes something precious what makes faith precious why is faith precious okay those are some of the things that we can begin to ask questions about which may stimulate us in understanding and interpreting what God is saying. Um, now, faith is interesting, especially with this character, right? Jesus says, eh, step out of the boat. You're in the middle of Seneca Lake. Wait a minute. No, he doesn't. He jumps. He goes for it. 
What does that tell you about this character and about faith? How many were still in the boat? Saying, I ain't going out there. Okay? Tells us something about this man. You think he knows a little bit about faith? Oh, yeah. So, um, how about some of the other things that we know about him? Let's see. He wasn't a very good swordsman. Um, he denied Jesus a number of times. Um, he uh, later on had the vision of clean and unclean. Um, he witnessed many miracles. He was part of the inner circle with James and John. He was a fisherman. He turned out to be quite an evangelist. Um, not sure where he got all his training from, but he did. So there's hope for us. Um, he was reprimanded by Paul. So he wasn't always doing the right thing. Sometimes you and I need to be reprimanded. Right? We get off track. We miss the mark. That's why we need each other. Um, his mother-in-law was healed by Christ. Oh, I like this one. He was the first to confess Jesus as Lord up there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Tells me a lot about this character. Yeah. So maybe we could say it was pretty impulsive. Um, but he was an interesting man. So let's look at some of the Greek words here. The word obtained. Um, once again, our software makes it a lot easier for us as we look at this particular verse. Um, it gives us the Greek name, Lankano. If you're a Greek scholar or if you're not, you can become one. Okay? Helps you out. So it means it's a prolonged form of a primary verb. So verb is an action word, right? You remember that from school? Mine was two years ago, so I'm not so sharp on it. We'll have to have Ken teach us here in a bit. Um, which is only used as an alternative on certain tenses. To, lot, that is, determined by implication, received, especially by lot, his lot, be cast, lots, obtained. So, in a sense... Our verse is telling us that this character, Simon Peter, has obtained um, faith kind of by lot. That's interesting, isn't it? I wouldn't have thought about that. I mean, obtain means you go out and buy it, right? I've obtained. Not so. And that's where our Greek can help us, okay? And um, it tells us here that it's used in four particular verses. So um, here's the different 
verses that it's used in, um, in Acts and in 1 Peter. They use the word obtained. In John, it's used as cast. And in Luke, it is used as lot. So we can go and look at those particular references to see how this particular Greek word which is indexed as number 2975, and we can see how they're used. Does this help us to understand the idea of obtain? Might. Might be relevant. Might not be. And so, how about this word, precious? Notice that it says it's only found once. Seems like a pretty common word, doesn't it? So whenever you see it only used once, kind of has some specialty to it. That this is the only verse out of the entire Bible that this Greek word is used where it's describing faith. Precious. There's something unique about that word precious that is connected with the idea of faith. And so by looking at the Greek, it allows us to have a better appreciation and a better understanding of what we're reading. Okay? So am I running out of time? Ooh, sorry, guys. Let's hurry it up a little bit. Um, we see that it's a compound word. It's made out of two different Greek words. And it gives the idea of equal value or honor. I like that. Precious faith, equal value or honor. Um, he's saying that that's what Jesus obtained, right? So hopefully that helps your understanding of the verse. Um, so hopefully that helps you better understand. Um, realize you're a winner in the sense you crude sense you won the lottery, right? You're a believer now. And so it's an honor. Think about that. It's an honor. You've been honored with this. And so when you've been given something that is honorable, something that is precious, something that is unique, how are you going to care for it? How are you going to handle what God is choosing to give to you? And so we want to see that. Um, once again, it was connected with the idea of righteousness of God and our Savior. And we can look at the ideas between who makes one righteous how are we declared to be righteous? And what is the value associated with righteousness? All things to help us better understand um, what the word is, what it means, and to um, better understand it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, right, to lead us into truth, to lead us to the application of the word. Um, once again, it takes time. We have to think about what we're reading, right? Think about what is there. Um, 
I like this verse out of Ecclesiastes, um, partly because this guy was pretty smart, right? He asked for wisdom when he was young. He was given um, some truth, and um, he didn't give up teaching. He didn't give up communicating, but he did note that much study is weariness of the flesh, okay? It's going to be tiring. And sometimes we don't like to do things that make us tired, right? And we seem like it's drudgery. Well, it's not, right? There's some importance to it. And so as King Solomon is down here listening to the alternative views and the conflict that's going on, he's trying to understand what is the truth. And that's what you and I want to do. We want to understand what is the truth. So we meditate and then we communicate. And we want to communicate on what we've learned, right? Iron sharpeneth iron. And so when we communicate, in a sense, there is some effort that goes in. God does some working in our lives, right? You're going to get some beatings. You're going to have to endure some heat. And there's going to be pressure. It's not necessarily an easy path, but you have help. Okay? So, when we are in a situation like this, we're trying to sharpen each other. I want you to help sharpen my life. And hopefully, this will help sharpen yours. Okay? But it takes effort on your part and my part. Um, James 1, right? Perfect law of liberty. When we look into it, we want to continue in it. Notice that Jesus has, in a sense, satisfied the law. The lid is closed. You don't have to go back to the law. You don't have to go back to the rules. You can sit on that mercy seat where God's wings can enclose you and cover you. That's grace and mercy. Okay? It's a picture. We wouldn't have noticed that in studying the ark. But God has that picture for us because the law is covered. He covered it. Jesus covered it. We don't have to go back to the law. Okay? We're living in a time of grace. The law has a purpose. We know about that. Um, so the other one that's interesting to me is um, here in Luke, right, where they're on their way to Emmaus, and oh, when I heard that word, my heart was just so encouraged. Have you been encouraged by God's word? Have you been touched so that your heart's burned, so that you want more? If I don't have that flame, that fire within me, I need to walk along with Jesus. 
to rekindle that fire, okay? Um, one part of interpretation is worship. I want you to realize that our study of God's word is worship. Worship is not just singing. It's not just a community event, but it is working with fellowship with God. It is worship, okay? So Romans talks about the word being close to us. Um, Second Corinthians, once again, praise Jesus the Lord. You know, we want to share our hearts. We want to share our love with others. It's a form of worship more than just singing, okay? Um, how do we enhance our understanding? And this is probably one of the more um, important slides that I have here. Um, as, as we look at this diagram here on the right, our spirit is the core. It's on the inside. It's surrounded by our soul, which contains our thoughts and our emotions and our flesh, our desires. And then around it is our heart, okay, and the body. And so for God's word to get inside, look at the layers that it has to go through. And now we begin to see how it is difficult for us, in a sense, to understand scripture and why it's work. Because we filter it through our eyes, we filter it through our fear, ears, right? We get dull of hearing, I'm tired of listening to you, give me a break, right? I've seen enough, I've heard enough, but ultimately, we want the spirit to begin to influence and spread into our lives so that it becomes our motivator. It becomes what um, helps us. And so we need the work of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit has to work on the inside, whether it's a dove to us or whether it's a fire in us. Either way, we want it to come out and to begin to work in all the facets of our body, okay? And so Peter's conclusion here um, and his encouragement is really found at the end of Second Peter where he's telling us that there isn't any private interpretation of Scripture. There's no secret here. What I'm sharing, there's no secret here. God didn't hide his word on purpose. He didn't disguise it. He's made it very plain. It doesn't take a rocket scientist, a professor, to be able to explain the scriptures to you. Because it's man's ideas. We want the Holy Spirit to do the teaching. And so... What we have is we have a spiritual battle. It's 
happening in our lives, right? It's a battle for the heart. You're in the middle ground. You're the prize, okay? Jesus has paid the price. But there's a responsibility that's been weighed and laid into our lives, right? And so as the scripture gives you illumination, as it helps you, guide you, um, what is needed in your life. I went over a little bit. I'm sorry. Turn it back to.